This series was really birthed out of a need for us to return back to the reverential fear of God and not be afraid of God in a sense of terror or fear. If you've walked with God for any length of time, you know that God is already gonna ask you to do things that require faith and require his help. The Bible says that it's impossible to please God without faith, you have to have it. If you're gonna make it in this life, you have to learn to overcome by the blood and the word of your testimony. And that testimony is forged out of fire. It is forged out of what God brings you through. And I know many of you are coming through stuff and have come through things and God has been faithful to you, but that's not the end of the journey. Sometimes God will free you and that's the start. That That's the start. God had to take you out of some of your relationships, clean you up and say, it's time to go a new direction. That's why he says, any man who's in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. All things have become new and are becoming new. It is a process of becoming new. I'm in right standing with Jesus right now, but I'm also overcoming in my life. I know y'all got some stuff you're trying to overcome and some things you're trying to outrun. And so as we look into the scripture tonight, I want you just to tune your ears into the fact that everything that has happened in your life, God has already seen and God has made provision for your victory. But God allows things in your life also for your faith because faith is what matters to him more than how you feel. I don't feel like praising God all the time, but I do it. I don't feel like going to work all the time, but I do it. Because I know that in the end, my faith is the thing that's being proven, not my feelings. My feelings come and go, but they cannot dictate my relationship with God or how I live my life, especially when it comes to your relationship with God. And I understand everyone has a, a predisposition on how they view God and how they view church. I understand that and I get that because people view God based upon the relationship they have with people. And you can't do it that way because he said, love God first and then love people. That's how it works. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second, love your neighbor as yourself. When I try to love you first and love God, I'm very disappointed. He has to be first. Whether you're married, he has to be first. Whether you have kids, he has to be first. And it says this, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Who holds more weight in your life, people or God? Because if we're not careful, we'll walk around ensnared by people where God has called us to be free because of our relationship with him. That's why he came. And it's something repetitive. And I know people look for alternate solutions all the time in church. Tell me something different. Give me the solution. What's the formula so I can make sense of it? And it's simple, but it's difficult. Do you love God more than you love people? And if you do that, God will begin to bring you through things faster because the simple thing that he told the disciples when he came to confront them, what he simply said to them was, follow me. And there are times in my life where God has not asked me how I felt about something. It was a simple command. Do what I tell you to do. And then as needed, you will get the next steps. It had nothing to do with necessarily how I felt about it. God is very aware of how you feel about your life because he sees your thought before you think it. He knows your emotion because most of the time we respond out of emotion rather than by the Spirit of God. And that's okay. God sees that and he has to filter through that. Your emotion, he gives you those things because you need them to process. But are you living by your emotional response? Or are you living by the Spirit of God? Because they're two very different things. I could be emotionally moved during a worship service, but not be moved in my relationship with God. 
because I felt good about what I experienced, but it didn't translate into me putting feet to my faith and moving further into my relationship with God. It gave me a little bump in my emotional state, so I felt good. And what people do is that when they feel good, they equate that to, I'm good. Just because you quote unquote feel good about something doesn't mean you're good. I felt good about what I did there. And you should be proud of the things that you do, but you don't rest on how you felt about it. You've moved with the Spirit of God. There are things that I've accomplished in my life, and I felt like God has been pleased with those things that I've accomplished, but I don't set up camp there. I continue to move and process with him in the journey because I realize that in my life, the best is yet to come. In your life, the best is yet to come because eventually one day, I'm gonna come face to face with my maker and I have to give an account for my life. You can't live like you're not gonna give an account for your life. There is no hiding from God. There is no escaping that day. No matter how hard you try, the more I live, the more I realize that the less control I actually have. And so you're gonna have to come face to face with Jesus Christ one day and give an account for your life. And how you live now dictates how you're going to get there? Matthew 7 is a terrifying chapter for most people. It talks about judging, and people are like, well, I don't really judge. And so they go through that process, and then it gets down to that, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons? And Jesus looks down and says, depart from me. I never even knew you. I never had a relationship with you. Let that sink. Do you have a relationship with him? Because out of that relationship, I do. Religious circles say, I do to get to God. God says, I did. Now I'm asking you to follow me. And as you follow me out of that, you'll bear fruit in your life because you're doing it for the right reasons. Are you doing things for the right reasons or are you doing it because is this what you do at show? Most people are in the chosen phase right now again because season four is out and the people are in the theaters and they're back. And I know some people were going and watching season three and I've watched season three again just to go back through the process of it. And I looked and getting a different perspective and how really Jesus looked at these Pharisees. It was all a show, but there was no fruit and no root. They kept doing things out of a duty rather than having a relationship with him because they thought that it was about rules and regulations. And Jesus said, I came to abolish rules and regulations. I came to fulfill the law. And by the way, he said, I am the law of Moses. So what is he asking you to do in the relationship? And for many of us, it's to lay down things in our life that we keep picking back up. We keep picking it back up. We do it, we have a good day, and it's down. And then the cycle comes back in, and we're like, sorry, pick it back up. And we keep picking it back up. And we're picking all these things that we're supposed to lay down, but they just won't die. We keep laying it down, but it's like we have our radars on it. We're sensing it. It's still there because in case we have one of those days, it's the comfort piece that we bring back. <clears throat> Got to hold on to that unforgiveness because, oh, I can rest in that. Oh, because it doesn't require me to use my faith because it just feels good for me to stay here. Another example of just because it feels good doesn't mean it is good for you. And we got all these things that we're trying to, Lord's trying to deal with us on. Dude, just lay it down. You're so fearful. And what do you think God's response is going to be when it comes to that? You're going to be put in situations that you're going to have to let go of fear and do what God has asked you to do. That's what he did when he asked Peter to come from the boat. Peter's the one to reach out to him because Peter had a revelation that he wasn't walking where he needed to walk. And he saw him and he said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. Jesus said, it's me. Come on out. Come on out because he knew Peter needed that experience. 
God knows that you need certain experiences to break you free from the boat. You're in the boat, but you're just rocking. You're getting sick, and Jesus says, come out of the boat. It's not safe. It is safe because I'm with you. Don't translate the unknown to being unsafe. There is more safety with Jesus in the unknown than you being in the known and trying to control it. Oh, you want me to come out? Okay, hold on. Turn it off. Pants, we're going out. I remember when we were kids, and I don't know, this, this sometimes changes over the years because what happens is as people get older, what they don't realize is that stuff grows with them and they lose that childlike faith of how it used to be. I can remember when we used to be kids. Man, I was, a, I'm crazy now, but I was a spaz back then. I was just a spaz. So I would just come in, take the shirts off and the clothes off. I'd jump in the pool. It didn't matter. I didn't care. I was doing cannonballs. I, my all teeth were, I had buck teeth. I looked bad. I was ugly kid, man. I dealt with it. He helped me as I grew. But I didn't care. You know why? We were less concerned about what people thought. We just wanted to be out in life. Pressures of life and the worries of life didn't hit yet. But as you get older, what happens is, is that you're told, and this is true, you're told, listen, you better, you better straighten up. You better straighten up. You better fly right. Remember that? You better fly right. You don't fly right. The world's going to take you out. And little by little, your sense of identity and adventure begins to die because you get in this pattern, you get in this tunnel and you think, well, that's where I'm supposed to be because everybody's there. Everyone's supposed to be depressed. My parents are. I, I don't see joy in my house. So I'm wondering, is it worth following Jesus? Because you're never happy. Real talk. I'm supposed to follow Jesus, but are you following the same Jesus I'm supposed to follow? Because I don't ever see breakthrough. And this stuff translates, especially as a kid, as you begin to grow up, because you begin to look at God as your parents or your loved ones looked at God or what you heard God was, and it doesn't translate anymore. And what that does is that dictates your walk. So as you get older, you're trying to worship God, and in the back of your head, you're thinking to yourself, is it worth it? Because I never really saw you do anything. And this is what people struggle with, but they don't talk about it, so I do. Because whether or not you like to admit it or not, when you worship God, in the back of your head, you're still thinking about, Man, he never really came through. And all these thoughts come on your head, and we sing songs like make room. And it's true. We want to make room, and we need to make room because there's so much stuff that's vying for our attention, and Jesus has to get in. Because if he doesn't get in and he leaves you to your own devices, you don't mess it up. Just look at yourself on an off day with Jesus. There is no time like the present to get things right, and we talk about this all the time. Well, today is the day of salvation, and it is the day of salvation, but you still have to walk this thing out. And there are things that people are dealing with continually in their life that the enemy likes to continue to throw at them. And the reason why we talk about this so much is because you're not over it. Give me something new. What's the new thing? Well, have you beat the one thing that was beating you yet? That's going to take all your energy. And how are we supposed to give you something else? How's the Lord supposed to give you something else when he can't handle this one? You're trying to... <laughs> People do it all the time. What series are we going into, brother? Man, I feel like God wants to do something in my life. He does want to do something in your life. But guess what? When you wake up tomorrow, you're going to have to fight some stuff that you heard from Sunday. And if you're not winning during the week, what makes you think God's going to give you more? We want more. Lord, give me more. Give me more. Are you walking in victory? Lord, I want more. Can you hold it? Lord, give me an opportunity. Do you speak when it's there? Lord, bless me with finances. Can you hold it? And more importantly, can you give? So you walk with Jesus. You don't get so concerned about what people think because if you do, it ensnares you. But in the reality, most people are dealing with things that they haven't dealt with yet or they're still struggling with when they were kids. Why is emotional health so important? Because we're so bound 
by stuff. You don't know how bound you are until you get into a real good fast. And the Lord gets in real deep, and the stuff that you don't think is there all of a sudden starts to pop up in your head again and say, hi, like a hate in it piece, hi. And just says hi to you, and you didn't realize it was there, but it's still there. And you say, you know, I remember that stuff, and it's still there. Lord, I want to be pure. And God shows you, okay, here's what's really inside you. But we want the show. Lord, I want the show. This is what Christianity has become today. The show. The show. The experience. We had 5,000 at church. Half of them know we're sleeping with each other. They don't know where their identity is. They're still at the club, smoking blunts. And on Instagram, oh, my God, church was so good Sunday. It was so good. And then we come to church. I want to make room for you. And God's like, I need you to put down the blunt. I don't know if I can do that, Lord. Mm. It's not real for you yet then. This is why real talk is important. Because past all that stuff, past all you reciting scripture, past all the good prayer, 4 a.m. in the morning, past all that stuff is the real you that God wants to deal with. The God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. That's the one. Not the God you see on Sunday or the one you see on the cross still in 19. The real God who tries to get in to a real relationship, a real relationship. Book of Acts. Chapter 5, verse 1. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. And when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. Verse 7, about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all those who heard about these events, wouldn't you? What happened to Malia? She died. Just came in. To, I mean, she worshiped good on Sunday. Team rally, she was all in. Tears were coming down her face, but she had an addiction. Couldn't break it, and it took her. We look at this, and it's like, oh, man, they held back their tithe. Mm -hmm. Look in the chapter before. What was happening in this chapter is that the believers at that time all were given all their stuff. They were selling land and property, and all the proceeds they were bringing and laying at the apostles' feet. And as a result, the apostles were being able to distribute that stuff. No one was in need. No one. And so these two jokers come up thinking that they're going to trick. And Peter called them out. Is this all of it? Yeah, it is. Okay. It was all a heart issue. The cost. What's the cost? It's your heart. How does it get your heart? By getting your life. You know how difficult it is to turn a heart. You can't do it. And we try to fix stuff, and I need to try to get that person to love me. You know the Bible says that the king's heart is in the Lord's hand, and he turns it any way he wants. Anyway, who? He wants. The Lord does the work in the heart. You're a vessel that God uses as a representation. It's a heart attitude. So there's a cost to following Jesus. Are you paying the price? There's a cost to it. Why would God ask you to do something if 
you didn't have to give up something. If Jesus paid it all and he laid it on the line and he comes to you and says, hey, listen, I tell you what, I did it all, you know, but I'll allow you just to give me this part, but you can keep that part. He said, I want it all. But most people don't give it all because they're afraid of what that's going to look like. There's a cost of following. This is real. In America today, Christianity today, we don't take Christianity seriously. Here, you don't take it seriously because there is freedom in worship here. You go to other countries, they're fighting for time underground. They're smuggling Bibles. They're trying to have Bible studies in secret because of the persecution that's there. In America, we can do it freely, but we don't do it because Sunday it's coming, it's raining and it's cold. I can't come to church. My allergies. And people have all these excuses and we want God to do more in our life, but you can't come to church consistently because you're upset at something. You can't come to church and I can't come give God my best because I just, um, I just, people just upset me. They're going to, they're going to. But do you put more weight in people or do you put more weight in following Jesus? Or maybe that's a problem. Maybe that's your problem. There's a cost to following people. Maybe that's what, that's what you really should be saying. There's a cost of following people. It's cheaper. It doesn't require as much. And what it does, it gives you an out because anytime they don't meet your needs or expectations, it gives you an out. I'm out. I'm out. And God's called you to stay in. What if you did that every time your marriage was struggling and you said, they're not meeting my needs. I'm out. But God's called you to stay and fight. What does that look like? There's a cost to following Jesus. That means lay down your life, kill your flesh, stay in it until God either helps you overcome or releases you in the event of some abuse, not something you make up just to get out. Misty and I this year will be married 22 years. 22. Had nothing to do with how great we were. We made a decision a long time ago, and if she ever gave her testimony on this, she hit the seven-year mark, and she's like, I can't do it anymore. And we were in a tough season and God gave her the grace to push through. And she'll go back and tell you that it was that season that helped propel her into where God can begin to do a work in her life and to where we are today. But it was in that season that it would have been really easy for both of us to say, I'm out. This ain't worth it. We were in ministry. We had a young kid. We were married. It wasn't really working. It was the toughest season I've ever had up to that point because God was doing something on a larger level than just two people coming together and being cute. And what people do, and this is where they get it misconstrued, with, oh my God, they talk about marriage and how cute it is. It is work, it is difficult, and it is hard. It has nothing to do with how much sex you get and how much you don't. It has everything to do with, are you following Jesus in that relationship until he releases you? There's a cost of following Jesus. God blesses you, there's a cost to following Jesus. I have to lay down my life daily, not just one time. Sunday is not the only day I lay down my life. When he's speaking to you at four in the morning, okay, Lord, giving you counsel, laying down your life. Lord, I'm listening. There's a cost to following Jesus. You're not following people. You're following Jesus. And as you follow Jesus, he will direct the people and where they need to be and if they need to be there. Don't pull them in with you because you want company. I want company because I don't want to be exposed. And God already sees you. It's the reason why he's pushing them out of the way because you're so bound by their opinion and bound by who they are. God said, I'm going to stop them from calling you. I'm going to stop them from reaching out. You're not getting any more texts. And some of y'all know what I'm talking about. They stopped calling. I don't know what happened. God said, it was me because I want your attention. There is a cost. Every level brings with it a new level of responsibility and cost. 
up to that point, seven years, it was difficult. I can tell you some stories. And after that, guess what? It even got more difficult. People look at it, man, life's good. You're blessed. You know the cost. And people want to throw daggers and they want to throw stones. You have no idea what it even took for some of you to get there. And people have the audacity to want to throw stones. And it, come talk to me about it face-to-face -face and let's have a conversation about it because I'll tell you real quick. Most of the time, stuff gets snuffed out before it gets to you because God's good. Because he knows that if it ever really got to you, what it might cause. Because some of y'all are still unleashed and unhinged. Included. Included. Spirit of God has to still rain me back, but lets me go sometimes. Included. Don't let the fruit of the Spirit fool you. Jesus is still saving me. Still saving you. Number two, do you hold back for fear of what the yes would look like? Conversations all the time about this. I want to give more of my life to Jesus. But, 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 it's the yes. But God forbid, and when we were kids, please don't send me to Africa. Lord, I don't want to live in a hut. Lord, I don't want to be hot. Lord, I don't want to not have friends. All these excuses. And the Lord's like, but what if I ask you to do it? Won't I give you the grace to do it? Lord, but, 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 but. And God said, I'm done with the excuse. That's why the Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Do you hold back for fear of what the yes might look like? Just look at the disciples' lives. And that freaks people out. Because they look at the Old Testament, and then they look at the New Testament like, okay, well, even in the New Testament, it was scarier because you saw the disciples' lives played out. And especially as you begin to read what happened, they died. Read Hebrews 11. You're like, Lord God, no, no, because you, God forbid, Lord, God forbid, I'm not getting hung upside down on the cross. I'm not doing it. I don't want to do it. And all this stuff runs through your head like, Lord, what does it mean for me? Am I going to have to give my life one day? Maybe, maybe, maybe. John was the only one left alive. Died of natural causes as he wrote the book of Revelation. That's it. They were under severe persecution for the gospel. Paul even said, I face death daily. And we're upset because someone said something about us. And we hunt them. And if you don't think we hunt, check the last time you hunted. We hunt them. Like, next time I see him. <laughs> next time I see him. You look at me the wrong way. One time, I'll crack you right in your face. One time. Say one time, Lord. If, they, if I see the eye go this way, I know it's a signal. Boom. Lord, Lord, I know. Lord, I, if I walk in and they're there, I know it's my time. My time. And we look for it. And it never comes. Or even if it does come, God, shut your mouth. It says, just shut it. I got it. And even when you try to do it, it's like, man, why can't I talk right now? Because God's got you on lock. Because he's trying to do something in you. Because retaliating is not the issue. It's a hard thing. It doesn't mean you won't face confrontation. You will. At the right time, the right moment, it'll come. And God will give you the words to say. But here's the deal. If you fear God more than you fear people, God will give you the victory. Do you hold back for fear of what the yes would look like? What does that look like for you? Think about it. What is the biggest fear that holds you back from saying yes? Lord, I don't want to lose friends. I don't want to lose influence. I don't want to lose comfort. And when you look at Jesus, he says stuff like foxes have holes, birds have nests but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And we're fearful, like, Lord, what's that look like for me if I say, yeah? What if I go on a mission trip and you call me there? We got to get over the complacency, the apathy, and the half-hearted commitment when it comes to relationship with God. Because it's not on God's part. It's on our part. Because anytime you read the scripture, it requires a level of uncomfortability. And if you're reading the scripture to be comfortable, you're reading it with the wrong lens. Remember, look inside, take a different vantage point. 
I want to be comfortable. And then God says, no, I'm not called you to be comfortable. And then you get married and Lord, I'm really uncomfortable. Lord, I don't know what you're doing. I know what I'm doing. I'm trying to get you on me, the strong foundation and not you. Bless me. All right. We're going to go through a season of training and testing. Lord, I want to be used. Okay. Get ready. Because we're going to go through a time of hardship and I'm taking everyone out of your life who doesn't need to be there. It's going to be me and you. You ready for that? Yeah, Lord, I'm ready. Okay. Yeah, Lord, I want it. Lord, break me out of my complacency. Are you sure? Lord, I know I need to do more. Lord, motivate me. Okay, I'll motivate you, but are, can you handle the motivation? See, most people don't like it when they get pushed because it's like, I need to do it on my own terms, but you're not doing it on your own terms. So God sends someone in to push you and you don't like the pushing. So God's like, what else do I have to do to motivate and push you? Do I have to break you? God would rather not, but because we're slow to action, something has to break. I've been laid up in the hospital. I've been in my bed, just broken. Got your attention now, huh, son? Because God knows what it takes to get you there. God knows what it takes to get your yes. You still hold it on. God knows he's going to keep chasing you. He's going to keep chasing you until you finally say, okay, okay, I've had enough. Yes, because he knows that the yes is the best answer. Because on the other side is really what you're looking for, not what you think you're looking for. You're not looking for comfort. You're not. You're looking for Jesus. You're looking for peace. Inside of you, you know you want something greater than what you're experiencing right now. You want something. It requires moving out. You don't want comfort. You want the grace to move where God has called you to be. Lord, I'm not comfortable doing what I'm doing. People are like, are you comfortable? I'm not comfortable. I'm confident in things that God has showed me and that I'm walking with, but he doesn't allow me to get comfortable. Anytime I go to a place where there's victory and I feel like I'm standing, guess what? Stretch. Second question. Are there parts of you that are still not yielded to his purpose? Parts of you. I'm not saying that other parts are not. Some parts are their parts. So concerned about losing control. People don't talk about this a lot, but like, I don't have control issues until you're tested and you realize I do have control issues. Control. Control. You grab onto something when you're out of control and you go through a whole bag of potato chips. You stress, I'm out of control. Things are happening in my life. Man, you put on a lot of weight. What's going on? Oh, man, I've been eating cake cod chips every single night. What's going on? Stressed out at home, man. I'm just stressed out. Breaking out. You're like 45. I got acne again. Just stress. Just stress eating. You all right? No, man. Because when God begins to do something in your life, it is difficult. And it shakes your very foundation. And it's hard not to grab onto something to stabilize yourself, because when God comes in, he throws his weight around, and the things that you've been holding up in place of him start to come down. And you hold on to rails. I got to hold on. God, I got to hold on to me, and God will take stuff out of your life so you can hold on to him. Because the parts that you were holding on to, you were controlling. Control was actually killing you. Killing you. And I would say venture right now, think about the parts of your life right now that you're trying to control that are actually robbing you and killing you. You're not walking in freedom, you're walking in fear. What if, what if, what if, what if? Control's like a noose. And every time you try to control, it tightens around your neck until you can't breathe anymore. You're trying to control. Well, that's just what I am. You know, my mom was a helicopter mom and so am I. You don't have to be. You don't have to be. It's killing you. That's generational. Break it off. They're gods before they're yours. No, they're mine. They're God's before they're yours. Have conversations. Give them opportunities. Absolutely. They're always going to be your kid. But 
remember, they're God's, they're not yours. Stop helicoptering. It's driving you crazy. Even your adult kids. What you doing? I don't know, Mom. I talked to you yesterday. I'm at work. Helicopter. Why? Because stuff going on in their life. Or even your life. Helicopter. Out of control. Out of control. Lord, I feel distant. What's going on? God's like, I'm moving things out. So it's just me and you. And the less and less you realize you're in control, the more free you can be. You'd be surprised on how tight people are. I'm not just talking about money. But it's tight when they walk around. Just tight. They look like they're good. But inside, just tight. Just wound up. I understand we're in struggle. We're in warfare every single day. I get it. And what happens is, is that we get so tight and so caught in the battle ourselves that the Lord has to come in and really, by his grace, help free us from that stuff. Because if we don't, we'll die in it. We'll die in it. A couple weeks ago, I took a week off of work. And if you know anything about the hospital right now, there's a lot of things going on in the hospital. Flu A, flu B, everything. I don't know what the heck. I got, I got something. I got something. I already told you I was negative for COVID, negative for flu. But something seized me. It just seized me. And I was out. I was coughing up orange. I'm like, I don't know what that is, but that was coming from deep. It was like we were having a conversation. The Lord, deep stuff coming up. But honestly, through that, God was freeing me from some things. Because some of the stuff we don't know. And even in the downtime, just freeing me from stuff. The tension that was in my body seized. And God broke me free. Thank God he did. Broke me free so I can keep moving. Because when trials come in and temptations come in, that's what they do. The Bible says they're like, they seize you. Seize you. And the Lord has to break you free from that because if he doesn't, it'll kill you. And some people, what they do, instead of looking at the Lord, they get caught up in the trial and it kills them. And they can't breathe and they get tight because you feel it in your body. Hello. When stuff happens, you feel it in your body first. When trials hit, you feel it in your body. And it's God's way of trying to get your attention and saying, yield to me. If you don't yield to me, you're not going to make it through this. But he said, no temptation, no trial has come against you except which is common to man. Stuff you're facing right now is common. You know, we live in a world right now where I've told you over the last several years, this is not a normal time anymore. It's not normal. So stop expecting your relationship with God to be normal. He's not taking you to normal places. We're trying to look at God as, well, God, do it like you did before. I'm not doing it like I did it before. That's it. I'm taking you through from some stuff and you're going to hear things continually until I get your attention. That's how good of a teacher God is. How many of y'all right now, there's some things that you're, you're wrestling with God over when it comes to control? Just be honest. It's a control stuff. I got some control stuff. You don't have to, don't raise it if you're not. She's got it. Toby's like, yeah, me, girl. Yeah. Toby's honest, man. She's honest. Every hand up, dealing with control right now. Lord, for those things in our life that are holding our attention, controlling the way we think, how we act. I thank you in Jesus' name for the grace to begin to overcome and to release outcomes to you. Because we know and understand that your grace is sufficient and you have a good plan for us. The plan is not to harm us, but to give us a hope in the future. But we also realize that there is a cost to following you. And for some of us, the cost is, is killing us. The thought of what the cost would be. Lord, I thank you as we say yes and move through it, you're going to break us free from it. Generationally, God, even as you begin to speak to people now, stuff you're trying to break off of from their parents, Lord, move in a mighty way by your spirit in their life. Severed ties. Shift their perspective to trust you at another level so that they can see you as an Abba Father, as a Daddy God who actually has good things for them. But to know, Lord, that it's not going to be easy. You've called us to a life that is not comfortable. Not comfortable. But you said, follow me. Lord, I thank you as we 
say yes to that, that you're going to be with us. You're not going to leave us. You're not going to forsake us. You're going to give us the strength to say, yeah, help us to be just determined to go after it, just determined to follow you, determined to deny ourselves and say yes. Thank you, God, that you use us in spite of us. We know that you're not after the show, but you're building in us the unseen, the unseen parts. Lord, we continue to yield to you tonight as we draw closer to you. God, make it apparent that you are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords that your purpose will go forth. No matter what people say or do, you're still on the throne. And as we begin to yield our lives to you more and more, God, I thank you that the fear of man is gonna dissipate. And now we're gonna walk free because we know who the sun sets free is free indeed.